0: on, eat a piece of chocolate. We have chocolates on the table for you specifically for this purpose. And uh <laughs> and uh and and we're gonna learn some things tonight. So Father, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you that you ordained this time for us to learn more about what you created us to do, how you created us to function and the authority that we have as human beings that have been born again as righteous children living on this earth and so lord i pray that you will open our eyes tonight to see something we've never seen let us hear something we've never heard about ourselves about who you are to us and about what we can do teach us tonight holy spirit we're open to you and your word and i declare that no other voice has permission to speak here or give instruction but the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is the only authorized voice that we will listen to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, if you were not here the last time, we do have the form from the last time, but I think almost everybody was here, so we'll pick up. Um, Does anybody have questions from the last class that we did? If you're watching me in the group and you've just joined, just go ahead. September 16th is the date that we did our last class. Which... I guess it's a little bit more than a month ago, um, and, and it's, it, that was considered phase one, so now we're doing phase two, which is how to hit the mark of your purpose, phase two. Did, did you guys get to do that paperwork? Did anybody do it all the way? Any questions? Any questions? Do I hear a question? Who was brave enough to do your securities and insecurities thing? Uh-huh. Did you discover some stuff about yourself? Maybe that you don't want to, but it's there. <laughs> Might as well see it. <laughs> Two days ago, the Lord showed me something that Doug and I did wrong in our marriage from the beginning. Imagine. So so I come out of the room and I go, Doug, just like this. Do you know what we did wrong in the beginning of our marriage? <laughs> Josiah's in the living room, right, doing something. All of a sudden, he stops. He's looking. <laughs> I'm like, I cannot believe. And he's like, What? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I said, We did not create an infrastructure. And he goes, Oh, okay. <laughs> Woo. And Josiah's like, I thought you were gonna say we shouldn't. You shouldn't have got married. <laughs> But what the Lord was showing me, which I don't think anybody has, right? But So it's a new revelation, which I'm working on right now to develop. Wouldn't that be a great gift for married couples, like young married, to give them a thing say you should create an infrastructure? But every country that has issues with infrastructure are countries that are considered third-world countries and are in poverty all the time. Because their infrastructure cannot support any growth think about it you start a business you want to do a business you got to build everything yourself because the infrastructure of the company of the country doesn't have the electric capability doesn't have the road capability doesn't have all those things right and you would have to create your own city to be highly successful or be in greed to get them to do what you want to do out of order but there's no system in place that just functions you know what i'm saying So anyway, that was just, I was like, oh. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, we have structure, but I've never thought of an infrastructure, like a system set up that will go on. And then I started doing research. There's nine different categories of infrastructure. Two main ones, hard and soft infrastructure. You should look it up. Yeah, the hard one goes through the generations. And the soft one is for what you do. Yeah, 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 you should look it up. So, I said look it up. (laughs) Like, if you do research on the word infrastructure, it's amazing what you find. But that's what the Lord showed me. Poverty thrives in a lack of structure. So where there's no systems happening, right, right? loopholes are formed this is where you got to know who you know and who you know and who you know that shouldn't be the case it should be an order there should be an order like you couldn't just get to heaven because you knew your mom who knew jesus Right. right you know what i'm saying like you have to get you have to get to heaven by knowing jesus you everybody has to go through the door who tells you otherwise it's the devil the world system tells you you can get there any way you want to that's a broken, that is no infrastructure. That's not how heaven's set up. So they go. that goes against heaven's infrastructure. All right. That's my lesson tonight. Okay. So the first question on there is, do you know your purpose? Did anybody figure out their purpose or didn't know it last time? If you didn't, it's not a problem. I'm just saying it's, you probably want to get on it. Miss, uh, Miss Lisa put the book up here for me. This is the book I recommend. It has all the steps in it, so I don't have to coach you to do it. How much did you say it was, Lisa? $15.90, $15.90 which includes the tax. If you don't have the book and you haven't figured it out yet, I suggest you get it because I make it real easy and it's money's investing in yourself. Yeah. Right? So, you can do that, right? Alright. Um, so, the first question I have is, have is My purpose is, and then you put what your purpose is. Is that something? Who could fill that out tonight? The same people that filled out last time. What is going on over here? <laughs> well, some <people> here. <laughs> oh, no. That's oh no, no, just one person was here last time. Maybe two. What? Yeah, I know she. She's the encourager. I'm like, guess what the program, people. <laughs> you know what's happening. When you go through this, and you're going to clear out all the dross, and it's going to come to you. What's happening is, it's probably so good and so easy you can't believe it. And after tonight, you're going to see why you can't believe it. But that's our I'm just. It's there. You got it. Oh. Oh, you have a question? Yes. <laughs> Ask me your question. Come on. I don't. I don't understand. Okay. How find it. Okay. But well, that's what the know. book will help you. I'm not alone.
1: <laughs> But
0: I know that's where this book. I go. What's that? You want a sample? You have an example. One of them read the- Okay. Well, tell me. Re- say your things. Okay. So mine is. To hold on. Hold on a second. Let's put it on the microphone so that the people on the, um, on the video could hear it, because they might have the same exact issue. All right, go ahead. All right, so my purpose statement is to bring excitement, joy, and newness of life to people and places through teaching. And it's especially for children, international people, and the elderly. So she's defined it even further, right? Mm -hmm. So what's yours, uh, Nadine? Mine is to come alongside people with the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can fulfill their individual callings. Does that sound hard? So um, anybody else has theirs? Mine is, you know, to help people discover their purpose and walk in it. The walk in it part is the part I didn't know. And that's what the Lord revealed to me. So because P- I can I can help you discover your purpose just fine. But then what do you do after that? What I discovered was, like, people didn't know what to do. Like, they knew it, but they were afraid to actually do it. And that's when I wrote my second book called You Can Be Fearless because I realized, oh, Fear is the issue. So, you see what I'm saying? So. Still on. Oh, yeah. Somebody else had found theirs. Yeah. Meredith shared hers with me because she wasn't sure that it was a purpose. And since last woven, she said, I've been praying and praying. And what she thinks her purpose is, she said, is diligent serving. I think that's my purpose. And could that be my purpose? Then I encouraged her, definitely. So it could be short like that to start because she said, that's what I'd love to do. That's what I've always done. But I didn't think that was a purpose. You see, you see how simple? And here's the thing. Couldn't somebody, everybody use a diligent server? Yes. <laughs> right? So your purpose is useful to the kingdom and to people. It, it can be used by other people. Your purpose isn't for you to use. It's for other people to be served by it. So that will help clear it up for you. It's not for you to like, I am this. So what? <laughs> if Jesus, uh, Jesus said, which he did say, I am the way of truth and the life, great. Right? No one comes to the Father but by me. Fantastic. But but they realized what that meant when he left, right? Well, you don't have to die for people to know what your purpose meant. But my point is, Jesus' purpose was for us. It served all of us. And it keeps serving, right? So your purpose, you were put on this earth with a plan in you to do something for mankind to serve God with. Lisa says yes, right? Well, Melissa, you know yours. Here, you want to say it? Sure. Come, come say it in the mic so everybody can hear it online. Um, so come here, come here, say it. <laughs> and do you know yours, Lisa? All right. <laughs> let's, let's say it. Well, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but I know it's about bringing um, freedom and fearlessness to all people and so they can walk in the strength of the Lord. All right. Here, take it back to your mama, and then you can keep it, I guess, or bring it back in case we need it. Our purpose is to serve others. Mine is to defend the defenseless and to bring them confidence. Look at that. Yep. (laughs) And when you say your purpose, it clicks. Something in you clicks. It just clicks. So you, like you're not, um, it's just clicks. <laughs> say. I've done this with people and I've helped write it out, you know, and what I would do is I would, li- I say it in the book though, look at the words you write down, look at the phrases you're using, pull those phrases out and make a sentence structure with them, make a sentence with those phrases in them. And you'll start readjusting it, and all of a sudden, you'll hit a thing and you go, That's it. This is how I've done it with people when I coach them one on one. I listen to what they're saying. See, they don't write all these things out usually. If they do, I still listen to their answers, and then I start coaching them like I'm doing here now, but it's on a personal level. And then, but in the meantime, I'm catching on to phrases they keep saying over and over again, I'm catching on to things. When they say something bothered them, I'm listening for why, right? And that's what you want to do with yourself. Why did it bother you? Because, because somebody should have done this. Well, guess who the somebody is? <laughs> <laughs> somebody is you. Like somebody who doesn't care about that subject, it wouldn't faze them like not even a bit, right? So this is what I start doing. I pull all that out. Now I'll start making some phrases. And saying it to them, and they'll be, well, it kind of. And when I hit, when the phrase hits, it's like, yes, there is your purpose statement. You see what I'm saying? So it clicks, and it will develop as you go because the Holy Spirit will add things to it to tell you. But you got to get through the first phase first. You got to do the first part of it. You know what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit will give you more. Of it. Because imagine, if you can't handle the first phase, why would he tell you the whole thing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> In another 10 years, it's going to also be this part with that. Do you understand? But your purpose is a copy machine is going to be a copy machine forever. It might get different upgrades, different types of technology added to it. Do you understand? But it's still going to copy. <laughs> Even if you can do this and bring up a copy machine like this, you're still making copies, right? So that's the concept here, okay? All right, so tonight, um, so, so do it with that in mind. When you answer questions in the book, it's designed to pull, so answer the questions so that you can hear what you're saying. Somebody else can't answer the questions for you because you wanna hear what your response is. If you have no response to some of the questions, what are you afraid of? You're holding something back. You're holding back your opinion on that thing. Why? Tonight might help you, right? All right. So, um, all right. Oh, gosh. I'm so, like, way off. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So what we're going to do, here's what I want to tell you about it. So so write these scriptures down because it's obvious we ain't going to all of them, but I want you to have a scriptural basis for what we're talking about. So just make note of these scriptures. Ephesians 1:4. Which I probably told you last time, but we're going to revisit. Before the foundations of the world, right? You were chosen. Don't Okay, so Ephesians, what did I say 1:4. Don't try to be chosen there's you can't you already were right so don't try to be like no, if I'm just good enough if I only do this and God will you, you. the sinner that's not walking in in their walk with that's going to heaven another way they were also chosen they just haven't accepted you accepted be happy you did one thing right right there you accepted okay you accepted so now you agree with God he chose you and you chose him and you guys are in agreement this is good news yes. all right then we have first 1 peter 120 first 1 peter 120 Jesus was all Jesus was foreknown so Jesus was in the same position as we were He was known before the foundations of the world, as we were. Do you understand this? So Jesus also had this same thing, like we do. All right? So we're not, we're, we're, (laughs) this is some spooky thing. This is how it was set up. All right? And then 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathes? That's in essence what it's saying. So I want you to realize this, that the scriptures that describe that you were foreknown and you were chosen ahead of time and all this, God breathed those scriptures into existence. And the Holy Spirit, you know, wrote it out and Jesus came and lived it. Jesus showed up with all the words was here on the earth. So it is in disputable that those things about you are true. So you got to settle that in your head. So before you met anybody, before you went in any womb, before you showed up in a hospital or in a house wherever you were born, hopefully not a barn. Jesus already did that. But (laughs) if you were, it's okay. You're in good company. The thing is, before all of that, who you are supposed to be was already verified as it should be this way. It was already checked off as good. Let's send this one when it's time. Okay? So anything you heard after that verification that does not agree with the verification, which is the Word of God, is a lie. No matter what position the person held... No matter who they were and how much success they had before they said whatever they said to you. All of it is a big fat lie. You have to know this. The other thing you have to know is no one on the planet earth has been authorized to give a valuation of you. God has not authorized anybody to decide our value. He did it. He did it, especially when he announced that he loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He paid to have us back. That's how valuable we are. And he knows our value so he could offer the highest price for it. Nobody else could pay as much or anything close to what he paid for you and me. That's just what it is. Okay? So nobody has to rescue you from anything that God didn't already rescue you from. Just like he already chose you and the deal was closed when you chose him back. Okay? The same thing as it is with your rescue from anything. He already paid for your rescue from anything. So the deal is closed when you accept Yes, I agree with that payment, and I accept it, okay? Just like there's no other way to God but Jesus, there is no other rescue plan for you except the one God created. This is going to stop you from depending on human love, human relationships, human acceptance to be who you're supposed to be. It's going to disconnect you from that dependence for your value. Now, God created us to be in relationship with people, to have community, to be able to serve one another. This is how love is displayed. But he did not create us to have excuse me relationships to determine our value. This is the key I want you to get out of today. Any words spoken to you concerning your value, whether high or low, it really pales in comparison to your real value. Because you could take somebody's high value of you and get stuck there when God has higher. Right? So it's not just the good stuff that you accept that, that, oh, so it's not. No, no, no. Nobody gets to tell me at what level I'm valuable enough. Not a single soul on this planet. Not even an angel can come tell me that. You better believe an angel doesn't get to come tell you your value because they're lower than us. If you can't agree that an angel is lower than you, then that means you have agreed that the devil is higher than you because he is a fallen angel, but he's still an angel category. There's no other higher being than humans except God. So God is the highest, and then we're next. You have to know this about yourself, okay? If you have an argument about that in your mind, that's a problem you need to solve with you and God. Let him show you, okay? Okay? But if you don't have this, if you don't understand this, the devil has been given permission to be over you. By you, you give him the permission, not God. All right. The other so those are three scriptures. All right. Go to Colossians one twenty one through twenty three. Uh, okay, so here's what it says. Coloss- oh, here I'm going to read it from the um, I'm going to read it from the Passion. Colossians chapter one. You guys following me so far? Yeah. Yeah. Colossians chapter one. I say 21. Okay. Um, Even though you were once distant from Him, living in the shadow of evil thoughts and actions. So I want you to hone in on this phrase, evil thoughts and actions, okay? He reconnected you back to himself. He released a supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. Focus in on dwelling in his presence, okay? Okay. And now there is nothing between you and the Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Right? And here it continues. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. So our job is to never be shaken from the faith of the glorious gospel, which is the gospel is good news. Your mind should only think on good news. When Jesus, okay, God knew why Jesus was coming to the earth. God knew why Jesus was coming to the earth, bless you. The angels knew why Jesus was coming to the earth, right? Yet when He came as a baby, they had singing, they had rejoicing, musical instruments, all a big old whooping ordeal, out in the middle of nowhere, with shepherds watching sheep at night when when the light show could go on, right? There was a big deal made about it. There was rejoicing that Jesus was coming, and Jesus was coming to die. Okay, but they made good news out of it because of what would happen as a result of that. All right, so so our coming to the earth was also a rejoicing moment. Nobody ever saw it though. It doesn't matter how you were born. You came to the earth. There's a plan that you have to fulfill. And the sooner we know it, the better. Sooner meaning like now. Doesn't matter your age now, right? Okay, so first question is, your purpose, what is your purpose? You, you gotta answer this. So write down what you think it is, like you don't have to answer it tonight, I'm saying. Write down what you think it is, let the Holy Spirit correct it. You can adjust it as you go by. You have a purpose! <laughs> okay? Here's the other thing I want to tell you about your purpose. Nobody has been handicapped underprivileged to be unable to fulfill their purpose your purpose has you when you do your purpose you are at the most privileged position you can be because it it has an empowerment with it all of your gifts all of your gifts will answer to your purpose Your gifts were given to you to help you fulfill your purpose. And the anointing of God on your life involves your purpose. So when you start operating in your purpose, the anointing activates. This is why when people go outside of their purpose and try to pull the anointing, they start doing witchcraft, really, because they weren't sanctioned for that. But they saw somebody say you're supposed to do that and you're supposed to do that and so they started doing that. If they just stuck with who they were and why they're supposed to be what they are, the anointing would have increased in them for that particular thing. And then just like the other person was successful doing what they're doing, they did it at little and it grew. If you would be diligent and do yours, it will grow and you don't have to be jealous of somebody else's. Just do your thing. Keep doing it, so the anointing can grow and activate as you do it. Okay? So there cannot be any any excuse said that, well, I'm underprivileged and this is why, or I didn't grow up in a Christian home, or my parents were abusive, or they didn't know anything about God, or blah, 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 blah. Your purpose. Is between you and God, and he will reveal it to you, just ask. That's first thing. Second thing is, don't fear it. And the reason we fear it is because of what people said to us. You could fear using a gift because of some people, somebody condemning it. I'm going to show you how to get rid of that at the end. But all those things could hijack. It could handicap your purpose. But your purpose itself did not come to you with a handicap. Neither did it come to you in a poverty box. Jesus came in a barn, and he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, okay? Um, All right. I'll give you a clue for the end. One of the secrets... To walking in your purpose is to arrest the voices in your head. You have to make arrests. You have to arrest the voices in your head. Okay. So for question three, I'm confident when I walk in my purpose or I'm not, right? Put these scriptures down and then you could look at them and, and help to help you with this question. Matthew 8:5, well, I'm going to have to explain it because you'd be like, "What? Okay. Matthew 8:5. All right, the centurion, right? He was the guy that came to Jesus that wanted his servant to be healed, remember? And Jesus, uh, so it's Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5, and then from there on from there. Well, let's look at it. Matthew 8, 5. All right. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house, into my home, Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this. Now, this is where I want you to pay attention, okay? I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Some translations say he marveled, right? Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. Now, Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth. So this is truth we're about to read. Not that any of the other stuff is lie. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Now, here's my question to you. This man, Jesus is saying, this man has faith that he's never seen before, right? Yet he didn't speak to his servant to be healed. He came to Jesus, right? And he wanted Jesus to heal his servant, but he didn't want Jesus to physically come because he understood authority. He knew how authority worked. And his knowledge of authority caused Jesus to marvel at the level of his faith. So faith is connected to your knowledge of authority. So my question to you that you have to answer for yourself when I'm asking about your confidence level in your purpose if you're not confident in your position of your purpose, you are not walking in authority concerning it. Therefore, your faith about your purpose is pretty weak because you don't have any authority when you speak about it. Do you see? So, if you, w- this is why I say you got to know your purpose and Develop it with the word. Put the word with it. There has to be word to back up your purpose. There's scripture in the Bible that speaks to your purpose. Okay? And you stand firm in it with authority. When you say go, it has to go. When you say come, it has to come. It has to obey you like a servant would. Jesus marveled that this man understood authority. And he equated that understanding with great faith. Yet this man was coming, some translation says he was begging Jesus to heal his servant. Jesus didn't consider any of those actions low faith. Him begging, him asking. The high faith was in his understanding of the authority of Jesus, of the authority of the word. That it could just be spoken from here and have an effect there. Do you see? You develop your purpose to the point where you can speak it here and it can have an effect there. Okay? If you see yourself as a victim, you can't even speak here and have an authority here. <laughs> right? Because somebody told you I could they just keep saying I can't do it. So I guess I can't. Well, like that's, that's a negative faith level. And then somebody has come to me, well, no, you're so nice, and you're good and strong. We all know that. Well, no, not really. But, you know, and they make me so sad because they're constantly talking about, oh, my gosh, it's all day long. <laughs> that just means that you're a baby drinking milk, wanting to stand up like a soldier. It's not going to work. So you've got to grow up in the Word, get people around you that are already soldiers, listen to them, (laughs) and do it. You can get there so fast if you listen. Jesus sped up the process of growth for his 12 disciples, took them through three and a half years, and left them to run the ministry with the help of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, most of what he did, he never complimented them publicly. He never, nobody knew how good they were doing. They always knew when they were doing bad because he would yell at them. How long am I going to be with you? Oh, ye of little faith. Bootstrap it. That's how you get there fast. All right. So I'm just saying. All right, so so that's all the way through. You answer all the way through. Now we'll go to section two on the second page, right? We're gonna speed through this. Everybody with me so far? All right now, your mindset on your purpose and design. this is what I really want to focus on tonight. You'd never know that from everything else I just said. Uh, the first question is. When you think of life, do you feel as if you have a good plan to work with? Or are you just winging it? So you got to answer the question. What what do you have currently? Even if you think everything's going great, do you have a plan? Okay, let me give you scripture so you can go check out and see why it's important to have a plan. Proverbs 21.5. Um, the different, let's look at that. Proverbs 21.5. Oh, wow. They just have it up there when I say, it. good job. You guys are awesome. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So if you don't have a plan, you're in the second group. So you may not be in poverty now, but that's where it's heading because you got no plan. Now. Here's the thing. If your mindset, we're going to get to this at the end, but I'm just going to give you a little tease up front here. If you have problems, if you have words in you and attitudes in you against prosperity, you automatically have set yourself up with a plan that leads to poverty because you have decided against prosperity. Okay? So in you is a um, a checkpoint that says you can't go past this because we don't allow that here inside this body. We don't allow you to go past this. That's too much. Back it up. So you'll be like this. Now here's the thing about life. When you are like this, you become frustrated, 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 frustrated. You have to go to the doctor, get a pill, so you're not depressed. Then your body starts to ache. Frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. Yeah. We weren't designed to settle at any level. Ever, ever, ever. We were designed to go from glory to glory. That's it. Glory to glory, repeat. Rinse, wash, repeat. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. Okay. So you decide that for yourself. Then the next verse is Proverbs 16, 3 to 9. And that tells us about what type of commitment we are supposed to make. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So and when you make a plan, if your action is contrary to, to what could be committed to the Lord. In other words, you know when they're building a building, you have to submit a building plan, right? And then there's somebody that say, you're up to code, you're not up to code, blah, blah, blah. So if your plan is not up to code, you submit it and God says, no, that's not my way. And you decide to still do the actions of the plans you wrote. Well then, I guess God should just figure it out and shape up. <laughs> right? No, your plans will not succeed. So even though you have a plan, it's not going to succeed if your plan wasn't submitted to God and accepted, and, but you're still taking actions on that plan, you're not going to succeed. Your plan won't succeed. Let's put it that way. Right? Luke fourteen twenty-eight. Luke 14 twenty eight. And it says, but don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. So okay. You have to calculate things. You have to calculate things. You have to in other words, you have to plan, let the Lord order your steps. You can't haphazardly live your life. You have to put on paper decisions that you are making with your intentions of your time, your energy, your talents, your gifts. You offer them back to God and say, I have all this in me. What, do you, what would you like? What should we do? It's a constant place that you should live in. Right. You've heard Pastor Doug tell the testimony of when we became pastors and all that. He we sat down together as a couple. We, we were single then. That means we didn't have kids. And <laughs> we uh, we realized between the two of us, we had 60 hours a week free, 60 hours. Young married couple. 60. What, what would you do that time? Oh, well, I think we'll go to a movie tonight. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, we'll go out to eat. Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, that's what we did with our time, because, you know, and we sat down one day and said, wait a minute. We could do more than what we're doing. We served in our church. We were small group leaders and all that stuff. But we had 60 hours after all that. And when we did that, that's when Doug went to the Bible school leader and said, whatever you don't want to do, I would like to be a volunteer and do whatever it is you don't want to do. And that's the place he heard about this church. Do you see what I'm saying? He one day he just said, I need we need to look at our time. And I forgot what I did. I helped him do whatever. But the thing is, I oh, I remember I had this job that it it was an executive type job. And so I would be I would work way late into the evenings a lot. So it was unpredictable. So Doug would ended up with more time. So I think he had gotten a part-time job also just because we had all this time. So he had gotten a part-time job, and that, but that's when we reevaluated and said, wait a minute, what should we do with our time? And he realized that he could do this for the Bible school because he was a Ray grad and everything. And the funny thing is the Bible school leader in charge didn't even, I don't even know if he might ever went to Bible school himself or whatever. But my point is Doug was kind of technically more qualified if you look at it that way. But it didn't matter. He just came and said, whatever you don't want to do, I'll do it. So he would set up all the classrooms. He would record everything. And and then one day, while they were there, a teacher called off. They couldn't make it something. Emergency. And he asked Doug if he could please teach that class that day Doug did. Then after he heard Doug teach, then he gave Doug his own class to teach. Right? Then after that, the Bible school was coming to the end and they wanted to decide what to do. So they formed a, a board committee to make that decision. And in that committee meeting, they were discussing... The issue they have where they can't find pastors, excuse me, for churches that don't have pastors and their students should be trained to be able to pick these up. And then they said, for example, we have a church now that we can't find a pastor in over a year. And when they said that, something just like ignited in Doug. Well, the funny thing is, the leader of the Bible school was the interim here at the time. Doug and I used to help him pray Know what to do because he was wrestling. He was like, I know I'm not called to be here, I know it's just an interim. God has a pastor for this church, and it's not me, right? So, we were just praying with him, like, Lord, help him, you know, whatever. We had no desire, like, we didn't even think, us, nothing, right? Nothing, not a single thing. We're praying for him. We didn't even know what church it was, like, we didn't, you know, we didn't know how close the church was to where we were. We had no idea. We were just, you know, Lord, help him, you know. Good old, we're just having a good old time, married, young married couple, you know. Oh, Lord, help him. Let him, (laughs) let him just, you know, yes, Lord, we just believe you will open his eyes and see. The guy's going, you know, I really know for sure that's what's pastor. The The people in the church were begging him to be the pastor. And he was like, no, I just know it's not me, it's somebody else. They interviewed like seven couples seven people came from Tennessee from all over the place to interview for this job right and, and he would tell us you know we're going to do an interview this we're like so pray for yes we're a <laughs> <laughs> we're praying for all these people and then he would say oh they, they didn't like them you know it didn't work out or the, the people didn't like the church or something like oh, some and these are people who had experience in pastoring like they had years of experience there were pastors for years and uh, so we're right in there with him, like, come on, we know God's a appeared church, we're like all praying, you know, and then when Doug was in this meeting is when that just ignited in him, well, the thing is, he didn't realize it was that church they we talking about, that we had been praying, you know, like, we still did not put it together, <laughs> so, so Doug just said, which Pastor Doug does not, like, uh, put himself out there, like, you know, you know, he was even shyer than he is now, if you want to say that, but, so he says, well, what do you have to do to put your name in? And they were like, well, you just have to submit a resume and any letter and recommendation, whatever. And I'll take the package and we'll look it over. And, you know, because because that committee was overseeing the church at the time, you know, trying to get a preacher in every week. Because this guy was tired of like being interim. <laughs> Like, I'm done, you know, like, it's been three months. I'm done because they had already been not had a pastor for a year here. Right. So the next day, Doug handed in, I've never seen Pastor Doug work so fast on anything ever. Like this was, the, this was the thing of all times because he was moving so fast. He was moving faster than I would move, which I'm the fast mover, right? So I'm like, this has to be God. I'm thinking to myself like this has got to be God because there's no way. I've never seen Doug move this fast ever. So so because we were traveling ministers, right? We were, we were traveling ministers. This is the other thing. We had churches we would travel to and preach, which was great. You show up, you preach, you just give them stuff, and they ask for advice, and you give it to them, and then you just leave. And you're, I mean, it's a, it was such a great life. <laughs> and so, so because we had all that already, right? So we just simply packaged it together. And handed it in the next day. This was a night. By the next day, Doug had his package to the guy. He said, wow. That Sunday, they, uh, so by that week, sometime during that week, they had us for an interview. So we interviewed in that room. And we interviewed with three or four couples from the church. Doug and I interviewed together. We both interviewed together. <laughs> we talked together. And they were like, oh, we like them. Can you guys start next week? <laughs> they said, "Can you come preach for the church next week so everybody can meet you guys?" Okay, so we came the following week. Preach, Mr. Height, uh, senior. He was like in his 90s. So we'll preach. You know, after the service, they're gonna ask us a question, right? So people were asking us. So he got up. He goes, "I don't know what's wrong with you people. The man, look at how we preached today. This is our couple. Why we don't need to ask?" Him. <laughs> He goes, I say, we say, yes. <laughs> He's a tiny little guy. And so, he, so they all were like, yeah, you know, we see nothing wrong. So they wanted us to start the following week. We're like, well, could we go back to our church and say goodbye for one week? Like, tell them goodbye, let them pray over us, and then maybe we could go. So they said, okay, do that that Sunday, but then start on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we met a couple at a restaurant. I think it was Funk's restaurant. Oh no! It was Friendly's Restaurant. There was the friendly's Restaurant in the corner. We met a couple there. They handed us a manila envelope, a manila folder with the names of the people in the church and their phone numbers and the keys. And that was it. So we come to church the first Wednesday. We lived in Effort at the time. So we drove, you know, we worked all day, drove for an hour, came and we're looking for the lights to the sanctuary oh. we looked for one hour we could not find the lights to the sanctuary we look we were like every, we put every single switch on one of us would go turn out, the other did anything no nope, no nope. <laughs> the first person showed up for church that night and we're like hello we're the new pastors where's the lights for the sanctuary <laughs> And it's behind the door in the kids' room, just in case you want to know. <laughs> and in the kids' life room, it was, yeah, it was something. Well, no, we put that in because there was a kid in the room that would turn off the lights during service. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes 20 minutes to come back on. So, right? So, we put, so the church service starts at 7. We turn the lights on at, after 7 by this time. And so we're sitting in half-darkness. Starting the service. <laughs> at that time, everybody sat on this side and you stood up in front of them and that's how they did their Bible study. And so, you know, we just waited for the lights to come up as we all chit-chatted. It's just bizarre. But <laughs> I said all that to say. Pastor Doug was in the right place at the right time, but he went from step to step to step. God showed him in Bible school while there was a class going on, Galatians three twenty twenty-nine that's your verse pastor pishka's ministry he was an evangelist he was in the evangelist group when he got the pastoral call and the lord told him you'll travel for a while but then you'll become a pastor and while we were at the worship center every time pastor sam would preach he started developing the pastor's heart and he said one day he could feel a click in his heart when it clicked over you see what i'm saying So your purpose is transferable to any area God wants you to work in. So it's not just a position. It's you have to be obedient. Right? You have to be obedient. If I had married anybody else, in case Pastor Doug didn't hear God and missed him totally, and I married somebody else, I would still get to do my purpose. It's not tied to Pastor Doug. Okay? Okay. If I didn't hear God and married somebody else, he would have still been able to do his purpose. It's not tied to me. We are now one. We're joined together in marriage. And so we should be complementing each other and helping each other's purpose, not fighting against it. But we have purposes individually. It's our responsibility to God. It is not. Nobody could be an excuse for why you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Okay? Okay. So, um, what did I say? Luke, did I ever read it? 1428. What did it say? I forgot. Oh yeah. The succeed. Right, right, right. Okay. So, um, number two, the question number two is what do you think is missing or what ingredient do you have in place to help you maintain and grow a good fruitful future? So if you feel like there's not a plan, you need a plan. The plan will change, but you need a plan for every step. You understand what I'm saying? Every building that you're going to build needs a plan. Don't just wing it. This is how poverty will come. Poverty is waiting at the other end of winging it. And in your lifetime, you may live fine and comfortable, but what's going to happen to the generation after you? That's the thing. If God, number 3, if God were to inspect your life right now, like the master who returned to check on the talents he gave the servants, remember that story? What would you say that you have done with what he gave you to work with? Right? You write some answers down. What have you done? What is it that you've done with the gifts in you, the talents, the opportunities? You know, what have you done with it? It will become your list of seeds that you could actually call a harvest on. Or if you have nothing to write down, then you should start doing something. Right? Okay. Number four, from your analysis above or on the other page, What changes will you make immediately, like tonight? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, what are you going to change about your way of living that you are observing from your previous answer? And this is the mild stuff. We're getting to the big one now. Number five, this is the final one. Look at that, the last, the end. Identify your mind diet. Okay, I'm getting in your diet plan now. We all have a mind diet. What do you dine on when you are left to your own thinking? So when you're by yourself, when you're spacing out from other people, what has taken you there? Okay, so what thoughts have you given room and board to, to in your mind resort? Those are the thoughts that you entertain on a regular basis. They have their own room. their cushy bed to lay on. They have servants in your mind that serve them things. You know what those are? Those are memories that you bring up to support their reason for being there. I can't do that because remember when, remember who, remember what, remember where. And those are the servants that serve that mindset to keep it there. Okay? What types of thoughts have permission to override other thoughts? that may try to enter your mind. So I have a little box here for you, three boxes. The first box, thoughts that are residents of your mindset, you will never let them go. You write down those thoughts. You decide they're never going away. These are thoughts I'm going to keep. They're my thoughts. Number two, second box, Thoughts that are given permission to override any other thought that wants to break through your thinking. Put those there. Third box. Which thoughts from the two left lists would God agree with? Okay. So the thoughts in those boxes don't all have to be negative. They could be the ones that you've decided is never going away. Like, for example, there is no other way to God but Jesus. That's not going anywhere. That thought's in the middle section there. It overrides every other thought about that subject, right? Yeah, I was just asking for examples because I'm not sure I understand the difference between the two. Right. So the the first column thoughts that are residents of your mindset, you will never let them go. It means, well, that's actually the thought about Jesus would be the thing. It means that nobody is going to tell you anything different. You have made this decision and that's what it is. Okay, put it down. Don't cover for it. Expose it, good or bad. If you cover for it and it's a good thought, that means you're embarrassed about it. If you cover for it and it's a bad thought, you're guilty about it. Are these thoughts only for our purpose or any thought? Any thought. The second one, Thoughts that are given permission to override any other thoughts who want to break their thinking. So, what that is, is there are certain mindsets that you have. No matter how many people you heard talk about a specific subject, you refuse to change. So, these are a little bit step higher, okay? Because we don't do it like that. It's just never going to happen, ever, Okay? So I would transfer the Jesus thing to that category too. And I would also say like the Holy Spirit is real and I always need him. That nobody's going to ever tell me (laughs) that that's not true. So nothing anybody says will ever override that. Right? Another thought I have in that category is I know my purpose and nobody is going to override that and tell me otherwise. That's what you want to be there. I couldn't say that years ago. I could say it now. You understand? That Those are the thoughts you want to be in those columns. But you've got to be true to yourself, and you've got to be able to put it on paper. Okay? And the real test of whether those thoughts belong in you or not is in the right column. If you, what you, so you transfer everything to the right column that God would agree with, and the only, the only qualification for them to be in this column is if you can find scriptures to agree with you. If you can't find, so that the scripture would be the precedent set, okay? So if you had to go to court to defend your belief system, you could bring up a case. That says this case is in the Bible. This type of situation is in the Bible. And there is precedent that God would agree with this decision. I had to do that for when I was coaching Nadine. Because everything in me had already said, whatever you do, you don't ever offer divorce. Right? That's not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. That's not God's word. I had to. I had to study and re- I had to read and find out and change that. Well, it was being changed. It was off all of us every day. Holy Spirit was taking out another layer, taking out. I remember this today. I was remembering this because I guess I was writing this, and I would say something to Nadine, and she would say, "But he's my husband." Ever so kindly. And I was like, oh my gosh. I don't even think I talk that way about Pastor Doug. (laughs) He doesn't treat me badly at all. (laughs) But see, in her mindset, because somebody is your husband, you cannot do these things. But there's nowhere in the Bible where that's accurate. Because Abigail did that to Nabal right and Sapphira had a chance to do it with Ananias and she didn't so she got his response that she got the same results he did right so God showed me that I never looked at those stories before ever in that light ever (laughs) but because this was the subject I was dealing with and I needed to change my mindset on it he had to show it to me to change my mindset And I switch it real fast. But again, as you're switching your mindset, remember you're removing something that's been a resident for a long time. And they like to put their claws in and leave residue. So they'll send people to question it. This is why I'm saying, whatever you put over here, make sure you got scripture precedent to back it up. This is how you get things done quicker and with more confidence. Because you know that God is right, so you don't have to be concerned that you're making a bad decision here, right? And this is how you do it. This is how you make these decisions. Now, if you might have happened to make some of these decisions, but you didn't quite know how it got you, just thank God it got out. It's good to go back and get these things settled in your mind. Otherwise, the devil will come back later to tell you what you did was wrong and Put you back in that funk, and that's how people get depressed again. They get all this blah 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 blah. This is how Nadine came out of it, and they were shocked. You know what I'm saying? Like we were going through layer by layer. It was such a process. I was <laughs> sorry. The two the two training elements I developed working with you was the um, purpose of your mind, which is in that book, and then the, perp- the no the purpose of you. Uh, purpose interview which is in that book and then the purpose of the mind which was the second phase of eight lessons so nadine went through 16 phases with me of coaching plus a professional um what do you call them counselor <laughs> therapist yeah that we did at the end which is, was a leading of the holy spirit that was, and they knew all the legal things that needed to occur but she went through 16 phases of that was being written the night before I had to meet with her <laughs> the Holy Spirit wouldn't give it to me before I would know I would have a meeting with her today and, and okay so for me this was a life and death Like this was a life and death situation and I would be like okay I'm just going to go to sleep now and I'd wake up in the morning, and sure enough, it would, uh, oh, got some issues here. And sure enough, I would have a download. I would, know exact, I would, I would do four pages of what we're going to do that day. Just like that. Walk in, she would do it. And I have not changed it. It's the same thing I use with other people. And uh, I even used it with a Hindu. I didn't do the, the Purpose of Your Mind, but the first one, the one that's in this book, I used it with a Hindu young man businessman and it worked every person has a purpose but what i explained to him is everything about your purpose isn't activated until you accept jesus as your savior that's the path to get the whole thing unlocked but what was revealed to him he got so much done he expanded his businesses exploding he's got all this sales all this all this all this yeah a hindu young man right so That was the final thing that I wanted you to work on, right? And then it says, look at the first two columns above, the items left in those columns. What would you like to do with them now? Now, now. When you see them, if there's not scriptural reason for them to be taking up space in your mindset, what are your plans for them? Okay? Don't give real estate, to comforting thoughts of victimization. It lowers the value you see of yourself. It does not lower your value in God's eyes, but it lowers the value of you to yourself. And those are the places you can't confidently serve in with other people. You can only go so far and then you kind of like freeze up. And you're like, I just didn't know what to say, and I don't know how to say it like you. You're not supposed to say it like me. You're supposed to say it like you. Right? Now, you can see somebody pattern the behavior, like how, you know, Abby asked me for an example of how, okay, that's different. But you can't try to be somebody else. It's not going to fit. It's not going to fit. Right? But you got to practice your thing. If you don't practice it, you can't. How are you going to use it? Right? Practice it with yourself. When I first discovered my purpose, I was like, this is a joke. Like, seriously? So my purpose is to help people find their purpose? How easy? Like, yeah. My purpose is to help you find your purpose. Like, how cool is that? Wow, listen to me. I was just like laughing about the whole thing. I'm like, seriously? Like (laughs) I'm like Fiona, you gotta be dreaming. Like what like who was talking to you? (laughs) Like this is the conversation I had with myself. Like I'm just like, yeah, right. That's like I'm an entrepreneur to help other entrepreneurs. Oh, really? (laughs) It was one of those and I'm like, Yeah, uh uh. And then God sent me people to do exactly that and I went, Oh, everything is coming out to this well, I guess that is my purpose, <laughs> right? And then he showed me and to walk in it. So it's not okay to just point out, oh, yeah, bears. what you're supposed to do, have a good time. <laughs> it's to help people walk in it. And that's when he gave me the fearless message, realizing that a lot of it was fear. Of, and it was my problem too, right? So here's a couple things while oh, we're going to go home. I want you to consider... Okay? I did not look at my notes at all, frankly. I was just looking at the paper. I have a whole couple pages of notes, but I'm not going to tell you everything tonight. But here's the thing. I want you to find out whose voices speak the words that are left on the paper that the Bible doesn't speak. There is a person attached to the thought it will be. It would sound like that voice, like that person's voice, whose voice is attached to the thoughts that are left in the columns that you can't find scripture to back up. To the thoughts that are in those columns, you know, the leftover thoughts that God didn't say. You put a name to those voices. All right, whose voice? is attached so let's say here's the thought that's left i'm such a loser is it one oh yeah. okay yeah right. <laughs> i'm such a loser i'm such a loser all right and when if that thought is left on that one of those columns and, and nobody could tell you you're a winner every time somebody tells you you're a winner, you're like well yeah but yeah but yeah but yeah but Okay, that's one of those resident things. And that one is stepping over into the boundary that no matter what anybody else tells you, that thought will override every other thought. Okay? So when you, if that's left there, I want you to put a person's name with it. Who told you that? Who told you you're such a loser? Put a name with it. If it can stay in your mind, somebody's got to pay the bill. Who... Who made the reservation in your mind with that name? Put their name to it. So let's say it was a parent, a teacher, I don't care, whoever, right? You could put their name, their actual name. It was Sam, Susie, whatever, right? And so I had ideas here parents, siblings, friends, colleagues bosses, leaders, right? And you're going to put names with it. And then you're going to decide if their name is higher than the name of Jesus in your mind. This is not about whether the truth is that their names are not higher. That's a truth. Their names are not higher. But in your mind, Does your mind know that? Have you put the truth in your mind that says, there is no other name higher than the name of Jesus? Jesus is the word, okay? So no other name is higher than the word that says these things about me and find the scriptures that say what is the truth, right? So I am more than a conqueror, right? Through Christ, who gives me strength. You say those things. I have on a shield of faith. I wear a helmet of salvation. I walk with shoes prepared in peace. Say those things. Write them down. Say them, okay? And tell every thought that has its name attached to somebody else. Go through and say, I command this thought to go. And I speak the name of Jesus that is higher over it. It has to go. And see, you're taking authority. Which Jesus is marveled at for the centurion. Right? So you're making a faith move. If you're dealing with sickness and in your mind you're constantly thinking, oh, this is coming back, whatever. Put the name that told you that that is your sickness. Put it there. And you decide whose name is above whose name. Mm -hmm. If we don't do these things that expose them, here's what happens in your mind. You've got this whole thing. It's just constant. You hear a message, Pastor Doug's talking about faith and you could do this. And you're, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yep. I've been here for 50 years. Yep, 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 yep. Heard that one before. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And the reason is because you got a mindset that says nothing overrides me. And that mindset doesn't have a scripture to back itself up. It has the words of people. People's voices are backing it up. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Ah. Let me I'll tell you if it's good after you give it to me. So that you feel stupid. So then you don't want to... So, right, because in case it's wrong. Yeah, in case it's wrong. A lot of people have that. So here's the question. Where did they get their idea from? They have a brain. They have a mouth. They can talk. They're human. How come they can say what idea they have, but I can't? Right? So that's a good way to make that logical. Right? and you you're gonna okay so here's what the holy spirit will do for you so i'm I'm serious like take that form that i have i have a mini version take a notebook make a big version you probably you know we have uh how many thousand thoughts we can do a second dr caroline leaf tells about that i forgot it's like thousands of thoughts a second that goes through our mind one thing i want to point out the two columns that you're going to write down they're not just in your mind okay They're in your heart. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why you can pull them up because they've been living there. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouthless speak. So when the subject matter shows up, no matter how long it's been since you heard the subject, that resident person that's been living lavishly off your thought life will speak up and put a stop to any new information that could potentially evict them. Right? And it comes with a lot of but, 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 but. Put a name to all the buts. The buts have a name. Name the buts. And it ain't gonna be big but and small butt. It's gonna be Susie Butt and Sally Butt. <laughs> I had to overcome that with uh, singing. Yep. Because one person said something to me one time. And it made me think I couldn't sing. So I wouldn't sing for years. And then I got a prophecy over my life in college. The guy was saying, you're going to lead worship and free people from bondage. Like Miriam played the tambourine when they were being freed from Egypt. I was just on the floor going, I think he's talking about somebody else. And then my friends were telling me he was talking that over you. And that's when I was raising my hands. My eyes were closed. I couldn't move from the floor. I was stuck to the floor. I would raise my hands. And all these people around me would start singing in tongues, you know, and all this and all this. And I, I was just doing that. I didn't know. I thought, I didn't know what was going on because my eyes were closed. I couldn't open my eyes. And here, every. and then I put my arms down because I get tired. And they'd stop singing and everything else. And so somebody said to me, do you know what was going on when you are on the floor? I said, no. I just, a lot of people were singing. Like, wow. They are all singing in tongues to my right and left in sync like all the different types of um, uh, parts of of song, of music, you know, like the alto and the tenor and all that stuff. And here, they all had their eyes closed, right? I was in the middle, and every time I would lift my hands, they would all start singing in the spirit. They couldn't see me. And when I put my hands down, they'd stop. And then I'd lift my... I had no idea they were connected. My friends were watching this in shock because they were like oh my gosh it's every time fiona moves her hand like this is what i was doing and they were all doing it in sync like in all the parts and (laughs) and i had never sang i wouldn't sing and um then when that happened when i realized i had a prophecy i thought well i should do something i was learning all about this word of faith stuff so i bought a, a soundtrack and I w- we would go on invasions, and I would sing a song, because I knew how to sing that song, right? And I would sing that song at every invasion, right? And so after a time, the team was like, Fiona, don't you know other songs? Because <laughs> they had to hear the same song every single time. But the thing was, I was, because people liked it, and so I felt comfortable, well, I could sing that song. I still didn't think I could sing. But I would think, I could sing that song, so why should I sing another song? You know, like in my mind, like, I could pull that one off. And so I was gingerly stepping into, and I was, that wasn't leading worship, I was singing a special. I, I wouldn't dare go up there and like take the mic to lead the, like, oh my gosh, no. And the funny thing is, I grew up, I would spontaneously go up and lead worship, because again, you just show up and everybody follows you, right? You just <laughs> sing and they start playing something. <laughs> I had to do that being a preacher's kid like because we would have a I, dad would say fiona come up and sing so i'd sing and we just start singing <laughs> right or you'd sing the music is going and then blackout so you just keep singing <laughs> and i had the tambourine i used to play so i knew how to keep pretty good beat so i'd play the tambourine and sing yep <laughs> and uh but that one time when i heard that it stopped everything and i stopped singing and then when I had to hear that I would leave people out of, bondage, I was thinking to myself, "My God, those people are going to be in bondage for a long time." <laughs> like, I don't sing. I was just like, "Oh my God, <laughs> I don't sing." You know, like that was in my head. You can't sing. Your sister has the singing voice. You don't have the singing voice. One person, one time, right? So then when we came here. You know, even when I would sing, it was still like, because I'm the pastor, so I don't have to fill in. Like, it still was, I never, I never took it as a call, as a mandate, nothing. I was just like, doing it. And so, so the enemy could attack me easily in that position, and he did a lot. And I was always intimidated. I told somebody one time. The most intimidating thing I do in ministry is is lead worship. And they're like, really? I said, "Uh uh-huh. And every time I would do worship, every person we had, you know, helping and stuff, they would always question my ability, question things. And I would be like, I would never oppose it because in my mind, yeah, you're right. (laughs) The fact that I'm pulling it off is a miracle in itself. But then... It wasn't until recently that I solved all that. As I started developing and growing and understand purpose and understanding, as I now remember that prophecy, I went, oh, wait a minute. I need to get a clue here. So that's when I started taking charge of being the worship leader, right? Not just somebody filling in. And that is just a gift. I never got to learn music. I never got to do all those things because I didn't have the opportunity. But, but God will still hold me accountable for being a worship leader. Right? So that's part of the assignment I have. It's not my purpose, but it's part of my assignment. Do you see how those things work together? So my pur- So when I sing, because my purpose is to help people discover their purpose. When I sing, the bondage people are in to not be anything else should be broken off of them. When I sing. So that's the assignment to do my purpose so you can do different things in your life and when you're doing it it's different when you do it than when somebody else does it because you're doing it with your purpose they're doing it with their purpose so the anointings things for those purposes are is what is coming out to serve the people you see what i'm saying so this is why you don't compare yourself to other people because you, you're messing with somebody else's purpose you're messing with the way they're supposed to do it. And, and you could be hindering, you know, it comes out in our voice. Jesus spoke a lot. He told people, you know, be healed and all that. Right? Okay. I have one other thing. The voices you're going to find out are most likely going to be dear people to your life. Near and dear people you love, family members, great friends, leaders you love and admire. And this is why people don't want to give up the thought. But here's what I want to remind you, which I said, I said in the beginning. Nobody has been given the authority or the authorization by God to give you value or to evaluate you. So they might be doing what, they, what was done to them, right? Right. And they might be saying things out of fear, like they're telling you you can't do this so you don't embarrass yourself. Or they're afraid if you step out and do it, like you're going to fail and then they're going to have to help you get by and they don't want to see you hurt, right? So what you do is you do not disconnect the person from your life unless they're abusive, disconnect them. But if they're not, and, and it's still a loved one, you disconnect their words from being your voice. Right. Because what's happened there, they're invading your mind. Now, if it's a good thought, then you agree with it. And now you have confirmation in your mind. Two or three witnesses is confirming this about you. That's fine. But if it's an opposing thought, you have to tell it. No, I don't. I love you person, but I don't agree with this. So the thing that you owe those people is love. But you don't owe them to live in the valuation they have put on you. Do you see the difference there? So this is how you can separate them. This is how you can easily get rid of the thought without disrespecting the person. Because I think this is what happens. You're afraid to disrespect the person by getting rid of that thought, but the thought and that person was motivated by another spirit. It was not motivated by the spirit of God. If it was, there would be scripture to agree with it. Right. So until they figure it out or whatever, you need to do what you've got to do. You don't curse them. You, don't, you apply the law of love to your relationship with them. And you do not seek revenge. There's nothing to have revenge about here. Jesus paid for everything. So there's not like you're paying out of your pocket to take care of this business. You're using Jesus' blood and his name. Right? So you don't have to do no revenge work or nothing. You're simply rejecting it, applying the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus that's above it, and you're releasing them from that part of your life in your mind. You understand? You understand? Well, we've gone past way past our time. But Anybody have questions? <laughs> Did this help you? This is a lot. You're going to have to watch a video again. Thank God we have videos. Um, and put your questions in the thing for me. And one of the things I had in here for you to do is a purpose diet. That just simply means develop scriptures that you have that will build your confidence in your purpose. So once you discover your purpose, start looking up scriptures about that subject. Start looking at people in the Bible who did the same thing or close to it. Start building an arsenal of evidence for your purpose. Because faith comes by hearing here in the Word of God. So you're building your faith in that purpose. Right? So now I'm comfortable leading worship and I don't, it's not, I don't have to defend it anymore. It's just what it is this is my worship deal with it right because i know the intention because the lord reminded me of what that was about and the pa- the uh, minister that prayed over us and by the way that was the first time i was ever slain in the holy spirit it was a big long thing um that was one of my teachers in college she was one of our teachers in college and he is today a retired pastor. He pastors pastors now. He goes off of the world and stuff. But, uh, but he had just come back from the, um, the Toronto revival when it just started, when it was hot and heavy. And man, all he did was ask Doug if he could testify in our, in our group, our, our group that we had on campus. And he, and this was at the end of the meeting. He wanted to just come testify. So he just, and he was standing there like a drunk man and he was this most, you know, Put together, teacher we had, but his eyes were like bloodshot. His hair was like disheveled. I think his shirt was like crinkly. Like he just didn't look like himself. He looked like a drunk man. And we're like, and he was like, well, well, you know, I went and things were happening. And and at that time, people hadn't seen some of the stuff that were happening. You like all these things were happening, right? So he says to Doug, well, do you mind if I just pray for anybody that wants to be prayed for? You know, Doug's so like, sure. So the, every all the, we had like a hundred and some of us in the room, but you just start coming out and the place just went nuts. <laughs> like we had never seen anything like it. Like we were all like, oh my God, people were dancing without music, but they were all dancing in sync with each other. It was just like the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. Like, oh my God. And then when it was my turn, I, that's I said I had my business suit on and everything else and I got slain in the spirit, could not, they had to go tell my, uh, the, the school. The, I was the RA. I was supposed to check everybody in for curfew. I was outside of curfew. They had to go tell her, we can't get Fiona off the floor. We don't know what to do. Well, she, you need to get her here because, you know, that was the law, the law, the law. And um, we were drunk, all that stuff. But that's where those things were deposited in 1994. In 1994. It's 2022 when uh, it was earlier than this year that I got a clue. But my point is, in the 2020s, I got a clue from a prophecy in 1994 because of one thing one person said to me. So imagine if somebody had said something to you repeatedly. I understand, but I just gave you a solution. I discovered all these things, praying and seeking God and whatever, so I just give you the shortcut to all of it, thank you. right? You could take it. You could do what you want to do with it, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that your word is sealed and it performs what it was sent out to do. And Lord, I just speak over everyone at the sound of my voice for any time this is heard that your will will be accomplished from this lesson tonight. And freedom will come to people and minds will be set free in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that the mind will become a pass-through account that you created it to be. And not just something that remains stagnant with old thinking, never growing. Father, we break that now off of people in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that we can go in your direction at your speed for our lives In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies.